Lord Jesus, today we need some bread and fish. We need your word. We need to be fed. So by the miraculous power of your Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Encourage us. Challenge us. And light your power upon us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Father Benji was here last service. Uh, just can't stay away, you know. But uh, I mentioned at that service that Father Benji has done a remarkable job in presenting the lessons of from the uh, Acts of the Apostles in the last several weeks. And what he has said is something that we should take to heart. If you have not read or heard his sermons, if you've not read the, the uh, Acts or heard his sermons, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those sermons. It would be well worth your while. And I'm, I've even picked out today in my sermon some of the words and phrases that he has used. So this may not be all totally new, but it is worthy of hearing. And last Sunday, Father Benji talked with us about how God is working through the church to bring about his kingdom on earth. He reminded us that God is continuously having a showdown with the power holders of this world. The battle if you recall, between Herod and the apostles was a perfect example of how God overthrows hostile human plans and replaces them with his own, always working through the church as the body of Christ. And today's reading from Acts recounts a similar story of how this occurred with Paul and Barnabas as they were ministering in Antioch. Again, the established religious factions joined with the secular powers to attempt to destroy the presentation of the good news of Jesus as it was being presented in the synagogue by Paul. The establishment doesn't like it when God begins to work in the lives of people to bring about their salvation, restoration, and healing. Now, we're aware of historical accounts of this behavior which have been going on for centuries. We can recall the many martyrs which have occurred beginning with Jesus' closest friends. Ten of the eleven disciples were martyred. We have read about the persecution of many others since that time. For example, the Christians in Rome and many Christians and as well as Jews by the Nazis. And even in our own time. Rwanda, Nigeria, Pakistan, Iraq, and the list goes on. Unfortunately, the devil uses the so-called church and government to further his efforts. We are all aware of the apostasy and compromise of many mainline denominations in our own country. Our government has become a participant in the murder of innocent, unborn children. We hear and witness every day of the deviation from God's commands 
regarding the sanctity of life, the promotion and enforcement of unholy unions of persons of the same sex, and the constant barrage of the woke culture in our schools. It is no exaggeration that there is a concerted, intense, and ongoing evil attack occurring against the body of Christ today. However, we know that God has been through this many times before. His track record is one of 100% defeat of the enemy. And when we read the end of the book, we know who wins. How have God's victories in the past been accomplished? And how will his certain successes in the future be possible? They have been and will continue to be accomplished through the body of Christ, the church. All faithful followers of Jesus Christ are called into this war against evil. All, that means you and me, are called. You may be asking yourself, I hope you are, what is required of me to be a warrior and a disciple who will take up the cause of building God's kingdom? Well, let's consider four Ps in an attempt to answer your question and give, give each of us a solid platform on which to build. Preparation, proclamation, perseverance, and power. First, we'll state the obvious. We must make, if we have not already done so, a personal commitment to Jesus Christ as our Savior and accept that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can enter the kingdom except through Him. We must love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our souls, and we must love our neighbors as ourselves. We are to develop an understanding of kingdom history in the light of his story, God's story, God's history. What is the redemption story that God has given? Why do we need to be redeemed? And what is God's plan for the redemption? We can acquire a thorough understanding of the story by reading again Stephen's recount of God's work from the very beginning up to and including just prior to his death as he proclaimed that Jesus was the Son of God and that he saw him sitting on the right hand of the Father. That, if you recall, was in Acts 7. Stephen's subsequent martyrdom is another example, by the way, of the devil trying to outdo God. Now add to Stephen's monologue Paul's address in a, to those in attendance in the synagogue that we heard read today, uh, in our lesson, and you have a thorough and strong foundation for understanding God's plan of salvation for humankind. And another resource is the Nicene Creed. It can be a short and succinct way to tell the story, a sort of elevator speech, if you will. As Christians, we must always be prepared to give an account for the hope we have within us 
Christ, the hope of glory. Paul told the Colossians that, and that is for us as well today. We are directed to further our understanding by reading and owning the collect for the second Sunday of Advent, which is contained in the Book of Common Prayer. I read it here. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ. It is our duty as disciples of Christ to devote ourselves to prayer, reading of scripture, to partake of the sacraments, and fellowship with the saints, to be regular in attendance at worship, and to commit to radical and generous giving for the building up of the kingdom of God. As Father Benji has said, this is the schoolhouse, the Holy Spirit being the teacher where we develop a clear understanding so that we can be effective witnesses to the world in our various places of everyday life. And Paul, even with all his training as a Jew and lifelong learning of the ways of God, he spent significant time immersing himself in the gospel story. After his conversion, he was three years in Arabia praying and listening to God before he began his missionary journeys. Our preparation, as well as reading, learning, marking, and inwardly digesting, will include building Christian community. Life groups are essential to our lives together. Through them, we will be informed, encouraged, better equipped and strengthened as we move about in our spheres of influence. We can be better prepared to not only witness as opportunities arise, but our sensitivity to opportunities for kingdom building will be enhanced as we share the experiences of others in our life groups. In addition to our participation in the life and community of our fellow Christians, our preparation must be under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. When we desire and seek Him, He will guide us into spiritual changes in our everyday lives. He will remind us that we are to pattern our lives after Jesus. We will be obedient to God's laws and seek to live the cruciform life. Living the cruciform life includes repentance, forgiveness, boldness, courage, and fearlessness as we live in this culture of today. We must take up the cross of Jesus and commit to self-denial, self-sacrifice, and exercise genuine humility. The Holy Spirit will help us to grow in confidence as we seek ways to build up the kingdom. We will develop new patterns of life, which will include a radical departure from operating as the culture around us operates. 
We are to be for the culture, but against the culture. We will be prepared to attack the practices of the culture, but not the people of the culture. Being prepared is to anticipate opportunities to advance the understanding of God's kingdom as we operate in our various spheres of influence. We will come to know our God-given gifts and commit to use them wherever we are. We will better understand our God positioning within our families, neighborhoods, workplaces, schools, grocery stores, etc. As part of that preparation, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and to all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Preparation will result in proclamation. We are called to proclaim the good news of Jesus in all aspects of our lives because Jesus has loved us so much. And that same love is available for all humanity. We are to tell the story of redemption and release from sin, death, and the devil. The story we tell it's not a false story of today's culture, which espouses the self-indulgent ways and appetites of our society. The story we tell is the true story. God-man who denied himself and was crucified. It is a story which we will tell to help people find life and flourishing. Through our witness and action, Jesus is bringing life and vitality to earth thereby establishing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We are to tell of God's power to heal, restore, reconcile, love, and to give a more abundant life. It is our job to carry out Paul's exhortation to the church in Corinth as we read in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, that was essentially Paul's sermon to those gathered in the synagogue that day in Antioch. He was without hesitation as he proclaimed God's plan of salvation. He was bold, courageous, and comprehensive. He and Barnabas were prepared. They knew their audience and knew what was necessary to connect with the people of that culture. The result was that the Holy Spirit became real in the lives of those gathered 
As we heard read, the Gentiles began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you like to be of such influence? Wouldn't you want to be a part of changing our culture? You can and you will. You must and you will when you place yourself under the direction of the Holy Spirit. You will invite your family, your family members, neighbors, friends, co-workers, and schoolmates to receive God's invitation for reconciliation. You will witness to the fact that God is for all, including the marginalized. Through you, the kingdom will be enlarged. You will be the salt and light in your environment, wherever and whenever the opportunity presents itself. The opportunities may not always be readily visible, but as kingdom builders, we are to look deeper and more intensely for ways in which we proclaim the good news of God through Jesus Christ. We are to look deeper and more intensely for ways to proclaim the good news. That's what Father Benji has called expanding your imagination for how you participate in the building of the kingdom. There may be unique opportunities to witness, ones which you may not recognize. Often they may seem unconventional and different to your understanding of how to communicate the good news. However, the Holy Spirit will direct you, provided you are open and seeking ways to spread the gospel. I'm reminded of a story about a street preacher whose audience was <clears throat> what would be classified as normal to him. However, God had a plan which was unusual and previously unheard of in day-to-day -day techniques of street evangelization. The story. The preacher stood on the street corner preaching to anyone who would listen. A man approached him who looked like he had lived on the street forever. Can I help you? asked the preacher. I think you can, said the bum. Would you like me to tell you about Jesus? No. Would you like me to pray for you? No. If you don't want me to tell you about Jesus and you don't want me to pray with you, how can I help you? You can give me your Bible. Why would you want my Bible if you have no interest in knowing about Jesus, said the preacher. Well, I noticed that the pages of your Bible are very thin, and I can use those pages to wrap a cigarette or a joint. Holy Spirit wisdom came upon the preacher suddenly, and he said, I'll give you the Bible if you will agree to read a page of the Bible before you smoke it. The bum agreed, took his new Bible, and left. Well, the preacher thought he had seen the last of the bum, but he was sure he could get another Bible. Several months passed, and the preacher was on the street corner once again. A man came up to him, all cleaned up, dressed in a three-piece suit. You don't know me, do you? said the man. 
No, I've never seen you in my life, said the preacher. Yes, you have. I'm the man you gave the Bible to about four months ago. The preacher couldn't believe his eyes and ears. What happened? Tell me what happened. Well, I smoked Matthew, and then I smoked Mark, and then I smoked Luke, and then John smoked me. That street preacher had a positive response to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and his efforts, because of that, produced fruit. Sometimes, however, it may seem that our efforts don't produce fruit and we may get discouraged. Or even worse, we may be castigated and ridiculed for our lifestyle of loving God and witnessing to the good news. That is when perseverance is relevant. This was not an easy trip for Paul and his companions as they were out on their journey. Antioch of Pisidia was about 100 miles north of Perga, inland, and 3,600 feet above sea level. And some speculate that Paul was probably ill with malaria for one of the reasons he wanted to go up to a higher elevation. Then, in addition to that, Paul had to deal with the disagreement between Mark, John Mark and himself. John Mark's departure has been explained as being a combination of homesickness, rigors of travel, dissatisfaction with Paul's assuming leadership over Mark's cousin Barnabas, and unhappiness at leaving Cyprus too soon. After Paul's initial proclamation in the synagogue to the Jews and Gentile adherents, they were refused an audience in the synagogue. Unable, however, to confine the ministry of Paul and Barnabas to the synagogue, the Jews stirred up trouble against them and brought pressure on the city's magistrates through their God-fearing wives. Having been expelled from Pisidian Antioch, Paul and Barnabas shook the dust from their feet in protest against them. And that's a Jewish gesture of sorts to scorn and disassociation with those around. Especially it was directed at the city's magistrates and the Jewish leaders. You see, Paul and Barnabas persevered. They went on in spite of the opposition from the establishment and the culture. They believed that they must continue to share the gospel with others regardless of the environment. In today's culture, even some Christians are asking whether in this multi-faith society of ours, we still need to or have a reason to go and share the gospel with others. It seems to me that we too will be faced with people, by people who will oppose the preaching of the gospel at a number of levels and in all sorts of ways. Maybe because the gospel is, threatens their livelihood or their comfortable lifestyle or their status among their friends. And these people may use similar methods that the Jews used to oppose us. They may try to undermine our message in the minds of our listeners 
And it's easy for us sometimes to give in to those pressures. People will try to manipulate us to tone down the message. They'll try to make out that the message of the gospel is just an opinion, our opinion. Then they'll try to make us feel guilty for expressing our opinion. But what we see here is not just an opinion. This is a message that God has sent to his people, to those whom he's created. And he shows it's a message from him by backing it up with results. We can point to the way God works in our own lives and in the lives of Christians we know where he has done amazing things. The gospel is a message that was intended for all people and it is intended for our society, our world today. We must understand that there is much opposition to the good news of Jesus Christ. Remember, our culture sees life as being all about them and their feelings and desires. And Paul warned Timothy, his understudy about this, in his second letter to Timothy. He said to Timothy, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. We live in a society that has abandoned God. Our society has rejected the truth and embraced a lie instead. And many believe not only that they don't need God, that, but rather that God doesn't even exist. But we know that our God is not dead but alive. We know that Jesus reigns at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Amen? Perseverance is about the fact that the message that we have to give is simply too important to keep to ourselves, maybe because we got our feelings hurt or we become discouraged. There are people that we come in contact with every day that desperately need to hear about Jesus. Don't let those hard hearts keep you from fulfilling the Great Commission. Don't let those naysayers cause you to give up in the fight. Don't let those who reject your message keep you from sharing it with someone who will receive it. Keep on preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. We should have the resolve and courage to move on from difficult circumstances and people. We need to come to the realization that we are not in this to please people, but that we are in it to please God. When people reject us, and they will, and our message, we do what Paul and Barnabas did. We move on and say, next, if we are of the mindset that Jesus is coming soon, and I believe he is, 
then we must always persevere. We must give all of our hearts and our efforts in telling and demonstrating in our lives to as many people who will listen about Jesus. Don't give up. Don't stop trying. Don't stop telling people about Jesus. Now, in order to persevere, we need the Holy Spirit because we need power to witness. The only thing that can build the church is God's Spirit. There has never been a program that has dramatically transformed people's lives, brought them out of all walks of life, and turned them into a united group that can actually accomplish something for God, except by the Spirit of God. It takes God's Spirit to do that. The church was birthed in the power, the Pentecostal power of the Holy Spirit during that Pentecost. Society won't be transformed until the church is transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, the church of Jesus Christ, are a Pentecostal church. We were born of the Spirit. We identify with the Spirit and seek after the fullness of the Spirit just as they did at Pentecost. I believe that we need a harvest of the Pentecostal Spirit of God in our lives once again. As witnesses, as witnesses, we cannot afford to stop being filled with His power. As the church, as the church, we cannot afford to remain the same. We need to be transformed. As His children, we cannot afford to ignore His immediate presence. We as a church need that Pentecostal power once again. Acts 1.8 again, Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now a lot of Christians do not realize that the inner power of the Holy Spirit has the ability to handle things and handle things that they think they must take into their own hands. His power is available to us. The Holy Spirit's power is available to us to complete the task before us. He wants us to complete the task in His power and not by our own ingenuity. Apart from the Holy Spirit, no one can do the work of the ministry as God wants them to do. With the Holy Spirit, we can make a difference. And Paul talked about that power and its importance as he wrote to the Corinthians in his first letter. And I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The Bible says, teaches us, do not quench the power of the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. 
The only way we're going to make a difference in this world in these last days is by the power of the Spirit of God. Christ Church, you, I, Christ Church, today we have a decision to make. Are we willing to become a part of the Holy Spirit's work of growing the church of Jesus Christ? Will you make a commitment to prepare for the work of building God's kingdom? Will you join others who are willing to sacrifice much to proclaim the good news of God's reconciling work through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ? When you are persecuted, ridiculed, cast out because of your witness of God's love for all humankind, will you persevere to continue to give all your hearts and efforts in telling and demonstrating in your lives about God's work through Jesus to as many people as will listen. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that you will be able to not give up, not stop trying, not stop telling people about Jesus. Are you ready? Are you in? This is a day of decision. And as you contemplate that decision, I ask you to reach into your pew there in front of you and get your book of common prayer. Turn to page 652. Page 652, the book of common prayer. Prayer number 20. This is a day of decision. If you're in... If you're ready, then pray aloud with me this prayer for spirit of evangelism. Together. Almighty God, our Savior, you desire that none should perish, and you have taught us through your Son that there is great joy in heaven over every sinner who repents. Grant that our hearts may ache for a lost and broken world. May your Holy Spirit work through our words, deeds, and prayers, that the lost may be found and the dead made alive, and that all your redeemed may rejoice around your throne through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.